Today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. This week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Free Fire and the New Port Beach Film Festival, and what? I'll get my champagne ready. You do that. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hi! Good afternoon! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, uh, do a mostly spoiler-free review, and then jump back to other movie, fun movie topics. Uh, this is actually another bonus episode. Um, it is. It's, uh, it's a, we have a main review in store, we'll get to that in a second, but because it's... It's a bit of a hectic time, and it's not. It's kind of in between major releases or what have you. We wanted to still shout out this one that we're going to talk about, but we also just wanted to kind of cover some various topics this week. And uh, yeah. it's also a solo round about now. It's just Abe and I. We're doing throwbacks this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> throwbacks to a, to, a, to an older, younger time with us. Well, what we're also going to do is we're going to do a round of, like, cast this. And, yeah, uh... boy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we are we are going to talk about the film Free Fire, which uh, right. oh, yeah it came out this week. Yeah, and landed in seventeenth place at the box office. <laughs> um, actually, all the all the new releases this week, which there were like four new releases. I think there was like yeah, there was actually a yeah. lot, but they're quieter movies. Yeah, they're they're quiet. You know, they're not blockbusters, and they as, you know they all did not open well either. Which for some is a shame. Others, I didn't necessarily need them to make that much money anyway. But you know. For people that are asking for original films of cinema, they're there. If you want to see yeah, them, it's not. Yeah, they you know, are. The studios are making their attempts to put things out, so you know it's not. It's not like it's nothing but well, franchise. Considering now that it's like you know a year-round thing where they're releasing good movies or just movies in general, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to wait for the uh, the end of the year for the really good independent films. So yeah, they're yeah, out there. There's there's a lot of options, and this we'll we'll talk about our thoughts on Free Fire coming up. Um, I will say that I, I'm subtitling this, this episode April Hodgepodge 2, Newport Rises. Um, I, think that's, okay. I think that's appropriate for this week. <laughs> appropriate, appropriate. Uh, but yeah, because in addition to our talk of Free Fire, I am currently um, going back and forth to the Newport Beach Film Festival. Yeah, you're covering it, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm covering it. My lovely girlfriend is doing a terrific job uh, helping you know, basically manage the event as well as throw on her own programs. And I'm going to talk more about that in a little while. I but, can't um, wait to get to the juicy details of all the galas that you've been attending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, but let's get to some uh, let's get to some show note stuff real quick here. Uh, first up, uh, the next episode um, is the sixth annual summer gamble. Oh man, we're there already. I know, right? Yeah. So um, that's gonna be fun. I look forward to recording that show with you and you know all the other out now regulars for that one. Um, but I'm going to throw this out there to our listeners. If you want to submit you what you think are going to be the top 10 highest-grossing films at the domestic box office this summer, please do that at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to get your picks in there, too. It'll be a lot, of, a lot of fun. It won't be a part of the official contest. That's an out. That's for, for that's the guests. It's yeah, a, a little bit more of an exclusive thing. That, that's for Alan to lose. But for, you know, uh, I, I, I love the listeners to play along with us. So, I mean, if you guys want to submit your own top 10s, including three Dark Horse picks, feel free to do so. Even even at the Facebook page, also that's also you know we'll we'll try to keep a record of everybody that yeah that we're gonna keep a record and uh you know we'll shout people out if uh, if they if they do extremely well or if they do extremely poorly you know we, we don't discriminate for sure and uh, you guys obviously you have more time to do that I, I need my guests to actually do that you know sooner <laughs> uh, but you know feel free to get that in when you can uh, but yeah our, we're, we'll talk more about that next week um, what else 
Um, 300th episode, once again, reminder, mental note for both of us out loud on this podcast, it is coming up, yes, um, around the time of the end of the summer movie gamble, actually, but, um, so there's that, uh, new commentary episode is up. Yeah, it is, Running Man. Yep, we talked Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Running Man, that was a lot of fun with Brandon and Jim on that one, that's up on iTunes and Audio Boom now, so feel free to check it out, I think you'll have a joy and a blast and a Sub-Zero listening to it. <laughs> and uh la- la- lastly um itunes reviews and ratings it's good to get those it helps out our show helps other people find our show if you log in log on to itunes search out now you'll find us pretty quickly click on us give us a star rating awesome give us a written review even better yeah it would be really cool i we haven't had one in a while and we always appreciate getting them it'd be, it'd be really cool to get one we'd be happy to you know read it out loud and everything might even throw a prize in there because it is cool to get you know the... or if you just want to write uh, or if you just want to give us the star rating and then they secretly give us a message like on our facebook wall uh or in messages that'd be great yeah um but yeah that's show notes stuff let's uh okay let's move on to know everybody where each week we ask each other a question or two try to set the tone of the podcast and better get to know no, everybody. everybody that wasn't bad hey yeah what's up how much man what about you Oh, you know, just watching movies and stuff. Mm, okay. All right, and that's how you play. No, no everybody. everybody. Okay. Ooh, that was that was good. Good sesh. Good sesh. Yeah. That, good sesh. <laughs> yes. I don't really know these these uh, industry lingo terms. <laughs> it, it, it was a good round of everybody. Good yeah, the sesh. the industry terms. <laughs> uh, you've been hanging out with Ryan Gosling too much. Yeah, that that's what happened. Um, let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to uh, now quickies. TM. Each week on Alley, what movie the week they talk about? That's the movie this week. The week that's what they're going to go quickies. Yeah, that's pretty good. That was pretty good. That's happy. I'm tired. It's, um, so I'm pretty happy Ooh, with that one. It's it's, it's uh, been a, it's been a long yeah. long yeah. week. Yeah, it's not even Sunday afternoon anymore. It's Sunday evening. Yeah, I know. Let's uh, let's do this real quick. Uh, Abe, have you seen any other uh, any other media this week that you want to recommend or yeah, talk no, about? No movies, but I caught up on Archer season seven. Oh. and then I'm on Archer season eight now, and I actually like what they're doing with Archer season eight. This is Archer in Dreamland. Dream. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what I what I appreciate about the Archer series in general is just that they, after about two seasons or three seasons of just doing you know everyday mundane uh, spy work and whatever else, they kind of went off on like this adventure of Archer getting stuck in this island and all this other stuff. And it's like, yeah, why not? You know, you you're an animated series that can do anything that you want. So it's cool that they they do these things. And you know, I think this, the the uh, the viewership has been slipping a little bit because they moved it from FX to FXX. Uh, but hey, you know, you only have two more seasons to go, so go ahead and be crazy, and that's what uh, I like about Archer. So I, I like the, uh, the 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 basically the um, the genre switch up, like where it's still yeah. the, the core shows there, but they're just kind of giving it a new layer to make it kind of fresh. Right. I uh, I would say Archer Vice I wasn't huge on, but I did like the Archer in L.A. stuff. I like that one from <laughs> last year, and I so I I'm very intrigued by Archer Dreamland. Um, I I think I'm like you started. Yeah, I've started. I've, I've watched the first uh, three. Um, but I I think I'm more curious about where the plot goes than I am the, with the like the comedy's good. But like I think yeah. I'm more interested about where it's where it's headed. Uh, I'm also yeah I'm also curious about that as well. That's not because uh, it's it's disinteresting, but it's just because um, the characters are, like what you said. There's characters that that you've seen all around the show, but they kind of have different roles now and. It's still a little bit early. There's only been three episodes so far, so I'm I'm not really entirely sure like what they're up to. I like that like Cyril, 
the Chris Parnell's character, he's basically yep. the villain, it seems. Like, that's kind of <laughs> what they're... And I like that Pam, she's basically Russell Crowe in L.A. Confidential. Like, that seems yeah, what she... they've modeled her <laughs> up, of, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> Including her being a guy. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah. yeah, so there's... But there's just lots of little, like, things like that. And it's, you know, the Archer that I know as far as it's reference-heavy in a very clever way, and the wordplay is really fun and what have you, so... So, yeah, so far so good. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Season 7 was I, but Season 8 kind of picked that up. I, uh, I have a couple other shows I want to talk about a bit, too. Um, they both coincidentally star Carrie Coon. Um, she's in the what? Lef- She's in The Leftovers and Fargo, Season 3. Both are Season 3, actually, come to think of it. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that don't know the name, she's in those shows, obviously, and she's been nominated for, I believe, uh, for stuff with the leftovers um if you don't know from those shows though she is uh she was ben affleck's sister in the gone girl as far as recognizable roles um but with so with these tv shows though um the left i'll start with the leftovers leftovers is on its third and final season it stars her as i mentioned as well as justin thoreau christopher eccleston and a number of other people and, the doctor himself yes the doctor himself um and this the, the original premise of the show the first season was that just a two uh, percent of the world's population just suddenly disappeared right and it's what happens after it is it a rapture is it something else nobody really knows and the show proceeds down what kind of reality takes place in that kind of environment um i found it the first season to be very dark and depressing but also quite intriguing and the yeah. second season doubled down on what it was doing and was even better third season started now and it's pretty terrific and because there's only at this point only like eight episodes left I, I can't wait to see how it all ends up because it's just on a terrific path so far. Um, mm, okay. so it's, it's a strong recommend for the leftovers for anyone that likes the, I, I it feels like, because it's a uh, Damon Lindelof is one of the, he's one of the writers. He's one of the showrunners. And I feel like it as, and I was a fan of lost, but I feel like this is a, ver- this is a kind of a similar take on a lost type story that seems to be much more airtight because it's only, there are only 10 episode seasons and it really seems to be going down a path that it knows what it wants to do ahead of time, mm-hmm. um, which I think is very beneficial to a series like this that has so much enigmatic qualities. Um, and as far as Fargo goes, I really liked the first couple seasons of Fargo on FX and this third season, which premiered last week, um, this this year having Ewan McGregor in dual roles as twins. Um, I was wondering about that because I've been seeing photo stills yeah. of him kind of being a little bit chubbier. Yeah. And I was like, what's going on here? Yeah, he he's in dual roles as twins. Carrie Coon is one of the um, – uh, she's, a, she's a police deputy um, in the same vein as Marge Gunderson, um, the original Fargo. Uh, um, Michael Stuhlbarg – no, she's not pregnant. Um, Michael Stuhlbarg shows up in a sporting role in the first episode. Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh, plays one of – one of Ewan McGregor's characters' girlfriends. This is a loaded cast for a, a television yeah, series. Yeah, it's fantastic. Scoot McNary yeah. pops up for the first episode. Scoot McNary? Yeah, the, it is. It, there is so many great people in the show, and this yeah. first this this first episode just once wait, again wait, starts off did, incredibly strong. Did that strong. cast that you just named off? Were they also in the season two? No. So that the oh each, wow each season of Fargo is a, is a disparate story. Right. Um, I, I will say there there are links between the first two seasons, and I look forward to seeing how this third season connects to the other two. If at all, it doesn't necessarily have to. And even the first, the second season, it's a, it's because the sec, first season set in modern times. Second season was set in the the eighties. Um, yeah. So this season's back in the modern times again. And so far, it has no real connection to what anything that ha- that's happened yet. I expect that to change in some capacity. But regardless, they are separate stories that may just have tangential links in some way. 
Um, here I was giving Archer a whole bunch of credit for doing cool stuff. But, well, uh, but it seems like Fargo is doing the same thing. Yes, uh, Noah Hawley, the showrunner, who also is just coming off of his first season of Legion, is back on Fargo, and he's once again, he's delivering just so much good stuff. I, I love his handling of the Coen Brothers world that they created. He seems to have a great sense of the voice that they, they put out there, which I think is an impressive feat because the Coen Brothers yeah, are they give original. Like a, a positive shout-out? Oh, yeah, uh, they, they're certainly on board. It. They're on board of what's yeah. going on with it, yeah. Uh, but yeah, if 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 you like kind of quirky quirky crime stories, this is so far is shaping up to be another really good one. And if you haven't caught up in the first two seasons of Fargo, that's that's eight episodes or so right there. That's you know great stuff to watch out for as well. So yeah, those are those are both airing now on HBO and FX. So. Awesome. Okay. And Archer is on FXX. Yeah, so, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they've moved it. Yeah. All right. That was on cookies. Yep. So. In lieu of trailer talk this week, I want to talk about something else, because I find this bit of news to be interesting and worth discussion, yeah. and because it's just Abe and I, we can talk about whatever the hell we want to. I mean, we do that generally every week anyway, yeah. but, you know, this week is a little bit more special. Yeah. So shut up, Mark Hoban. <laughs> I didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no. So, um... Uh, what I want to talk about is Avatar. Why yeah. Avatar, you asked? Well, Why Avatar, <laughs> Avatar, Abe, as you recall, was a 2009 mega blockbuster that was nominated for nine Academy Awards. Haven't heard of it. Yeah, and <laughs> it's it's the biggest movie of all time. And James Cameron, of course, directed the film, and he's been ever since working on sequels to said film. This has expanded from one sequel to multiple sequels over time, and now we are we've been we've been aware that there are four sequels to Avatar coming on the way. We'll get back to thoughts on this prospect in a minute, but I want to get to the latest news because obviously you wonder when would these sequels be coming out? That's, and that's what I've been wondering for the past four years. And after many delays, uh, there is actually what seems to be a concrete date on all four sequels. So I'm going to read what James Cameron posted on a Facebook page or an Instagram post or something. He has an exact quote here from James Cameron from J from Jimmy C. Yeah. Okay. Um, he he writes, uh, great to be working with the best team in the business. Avatar takes flight as we begin concurrent production on four sequels. The journey continues December 18th, 2020, December 17th, 2021, December 20th, 2024, and December 19th, 2025. So that those are the those are the released the current release dates for all four Avatar sequels, where you have the two sequels coming out back to back 2020, 2021, and then the final two films coming out 2024, 2025. That's a mouthful of words. <laughs> that, that's and a lot of uh, numbers that you I, just went through. I know. I expect a lot of eye rolling as people are listening to this and what have you. No, they're actually just impressed by the speed in which you did it. Well, I, I, I assume I assume that right away. Um, <laughs> I will say, uh, in in no, with no, with this information. Uh, in mind, the Walt Disney World is set to open Pandora colon the World of Avatar next month. Um, so I think it makes a little bit of sense that he actually has some news about the actual sequels coming out since the actual theme park expansion is going to open very soon. Um, but with all that said, I want to know, Abe, I believe you do like Avatar. Maybe not be your favorite movie, but you are, you are a fan of the film, if I'm not mistaken. I, I like it, and I remember watching it in IMAX 3D, and I was thinking to myself, hey, these uh, little sweet, be- sweet sweat beads... They look pretty cool in this 3D, but I I wasn't uh, I'm not like one of those folks that that go out and um, like preach it to everybody and say like hey drop everything go watch Avatar because it is it is a film that is beyond its years kind of thing I wasn't on that level of love with it uh, but I do appreciate what it set up and I liked that it took its time to do it and you know you can't forget like that what is it like a, a 35 minute or 45 minute like action sequence at the end it's like an so, hour <laughs> it's, 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 it's like an hour yeah. it's long yeah, so it's a it's long action scene at the end right so uh, much like I, the movie we're talking about later <laughs> so. 
Yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm okay with it. Which is to say, like, I'm excited to see what come what comes about. Uh, and I'm I'm always a, a fan of James Cameron. I've been a fan of James Cameron since like day one. Uh, so whatever he does, I know that he always get he puts his best effort forward. And he doesn't really want to give you like a bad product. I mean, I think that he's famous for coming out for saying that some of these Terminators are like bogus. So except yeah. for Genesis, which he stood behind, which, which yeah, bap- he stood behind, which maybe <laughs> like that was probably just like you know, here's a million bucks. Can you just say like one nice thing about it? That was a lot of yeah. yeah that was a good faith gesture for sure. Because right. boy, so, that movie. That, that's not a good movie. Yeah. But anyhow, um, Avatar. I'm alright with it. But I know that you are quite a fan of it, right? I am a big fan of Avatar, and I say that having only watched it at home so many times but that's that's kind of the perfect example of a movie you why, of why you go to the movies is avatar that said it does look great on my 3d tv i mean it's it's a great it looks amazing watching that movie and not even just like for 2009 it looks amazing now i mean it's it's impressive how how well that movie works is just a great grand adventure i understand that you know it's not necessarily beloved i say that with hesitation just because i I hear people get upset at that movie, but at the same time, it is the biggest movie ever. People liked it. Uh, as far as these sequels go, obviously it's a little... You can be skeptical about the idea of seeing four sequels to Avatar. That's a bold proclamation to make by by any means, as opposed to just one, which I think everyone will more or less be like, yeah, all right, I'll see another one of those. But four is like, is that a thing that we need? But I'm on this place where if James Cameron's telling me I need to see four Avatar sequels... I'm pretty sure I gotta need to see those four <laughs> Avatar sequels. Like I don't, I based off what he's been capable of doing, which is making the most expensive movies of all time four times in a row and then delivering on it and making them some of the biggest hits of ever. I I, I have no reason to doubt him. I <laughs> I mean, Terminator Two was the highest, the the, the uh, most expensive movie ever when it was made. True Lies was the most expensive movie was it when it when it was it when it was made. Titanic was the most expensive movie ever when it was made. And Avatar, which still doesn't have an unreleased budget, like, no one actually knows how much the first Avatar cost. Pretty sure it was probably one of the most expensive movies ever made. And so now he's been spending, like, years developing years. This, this, you know, yeah. these next ones. I like that he has a writer's room established for these four films. It's not just him writing them. He's, like, a whole team of people that are developing all of this. I'm, aw- I'm very aware that it's not going to be just, you know, Sam Worthington and Zoe Saldana. Sam's back? I'm saying it's not... I'm aware it's not going to be just like it's going to be. Oh, okay. He's making like a cinematic universe essentially from the ground up, which I think is admirable. I mean, it's one thing it's one thing to get you know established comics throwing you stuff that you've kind of seen before and turning it in new ways for for cinema. Here's a guy that like literally wants to create a whole new world to quote Aladdin. I mean, it's um, <laughs> I I look forward to that kind of thing. That excites me. But I think the the thing I really like about these actual release dates, granted, they could change. I kind of doubt it, though, this time. Uh, what I like about these release dates is it's coming at what is the perfect time. Because at that in 2020, when this first one is supposed to come out, when a- Avatar, when Tuvatar comes out. Avatar? Uh, okay. Tuvatar. It, the, the, um, the, this, this new Star Wars trilogy that we've been seeing, that will have wrapped up. The MCU, that will have wrapped up its you know major Avengers movies at that point. So we'll be kind of due for this new franchise to like come back in again. It'll, it'll be a mix of that, it'll be the nostalgic love for the first one, which is what worked for Finding Dory, and it will be the people that grew up with Avatar coming How out. How old t- are those people now? I mean, it came out in 2009, so this will be over 10 years since the first movie. So, like, there's in... there's so many <laughs> there's so many good things working in its favor at this point, I, I believe. I understand yeah. it's a massive risk, 
but this is like the king of risk takers. <laughs> like I, I have, yeah, I, I don't. Thing. You're right in the frame of like, hey, he's the king of risk takers because, well, my my thing is like, I know that people still view view it pretty positively, right? Um, it's not one of those films that has aged badly or whatever else. Like people still look upon Avatar and say like, oh, that was like really great for its time and and look what it's doing to look what it did to 3D cinema now. And it's like, yeah, sure, you're right, but you know. I'm wondering if they've softened up a little bit, kind of the way that I have of, like, it, it's all right, uh, and I'm going to see when it comes out, but I'm not going to, like, drool and lose sleep over it. I mean, I will, I will, I'm so curious about what he's doing with this. Beyond just uh-huh. telling you another story set in this world, which I think is inherently fun, say what you will about the story, and I'm always amused by the idea that everyone thinks they're a genius for discovering that it's a movie that has a plot resembling another movie because apparently no other what? movie's ever resembled another movie before that's um, crazy <laughs> it's it's the first time that another movie used a similar plot to other no movies idea apparently that la la land was not original <laughs> i mean it's like, <laughs> there's this fast and furious franchise that copied some other movie i know it's crazy what? it happened <laughs> yeah but avatar no, no guys it was the first one to have a similar plot to something um but it, it what I was saying, say what you will about story-wise, the world of Pandora, I think, with, just with floating the floating islands and like all the like, there's so yeah. much there as far as the production design and what he was going for in terms of just creating a just part of a planet. Was, yeah, I mean, of course. Was, yeah. I mean, again, like it was pretty incredible that he established an entire planet and entire like world building in one movie, and then had like this giant action sequence so that you felt bonded with the, the Navi mm-hmm. and it. You know, it's like a three-hour-plus movie, but hey, it's like well worth your time. Um, so I'm not against James Cameron doing anything. I think that James Cameron has basically earned his his stripes in the Hollywood scene, and he can do whatever the hell he wants, right? So, and that's what he's doing. And I, so, and what I so it's a mix of you know seeing more of Pandora, but also, you know, ten years since 2009, 2009, where he created technology to ma- to make sure Avatar could work in 3D and using the motion capture and what have you. What's he going to do in 2020? What am I going to see that's going to be, you know, James Cameron's right. newest, latest thing, which he's done in all of his movies, having a kind of newest, latest thing in his thing. Like, he's, he's talking. That goes back to, like, a question that we had mm-hmm. uh, from a couple weeks ago where it was like, hey, are we going to have, like, VR movies and whatever else? And I think that you had mentioned, like, hey, whatever James Cameron's going to do, I'm going to go watch it. I mean, so. he's, he's talked about having uh, uh, glasses-less 3D, which if somehow that actually happens, that'd be impressive. Oh, I can't wait. I I've, I keep saying how I hate the um, the 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 like the multi the, the really high frame rate movies with like The Hobbit and Billy Lynn. Um, right. But if someone if anyone's gonna pull it off to make me actually enjoy seeing a movie in that format, James Cameron seems like I keep saying he seems like the one that could do it. And yeah. so I know that's on his like I that's you know a plan that he has to shoot these movies in like 120 frames per second, which could be something crazy if he does it you know effectively. Um, but yeah, I just. I, I have nothing but optimism for this. I have no reason to be cynical about the idea of getting an original universe <laughs> being yeah, thro- course, thrown yeah. at me. Like it, it just. I mean, I'm not. I'm not cynical about it either. I'm just. More I don't like, think hey, you are. No, I don't. I don't. I, uh, yeah. it, well, it's just more of like, hey, you know, when it happens, uh, I'll, I'll be there to see it. So. I, it's just like I. I don't. I don't feel like sitting on the sidelines and just naysaying. It's like, I don't know what that gets me in life. It's like, what? Are people doing that? Oh, there's plenty of people doing that. Plenty of people just don't like Avatar or just don't like the idea that James Cameron 
wants to do what James Cameron does. <laughs> like it's, I mean, James Cameron, I, I mean, if you look at his track record, it's been pretty successful. Well, it's so like a, it, it's as <laughs> if like there aren't enough films in the world, and only James Cameron's the guy that can do stuff. And so I hate that he's only doing. Adam, no, he only like, makes <laughs> like he only make, yeah, I think his filmography is only like twenty movies. Yeah, or there are like there's, right? there's much less than that. Is that the, and that's yeah. after taking away his documentaries about the Titanic and going underwater. I mean, he's he's only made so many films, but it's like if he wants to make this crazy universe and keep sticking with it. Why would I, I, I don't know why, wh- wh- who am I to say no to him? Like, no, make it, make a true lie sequel. Cause Tom Arnold's <laughs> begging for it. No, I want to, whatever. He, as I said, if James Cameron says that I need four avatar sequels, I'm going to let him show me four avatar sequels. <laughs> the only thing, the only thing I really hope for is that the abyss, uh, doesn't have like the alternate ending and like nukes actually go off and that we, you know, we are still here in 2020 to see everything play out the way it should. Uh, I think you're talking about Crimson, Crimson Tide. No, the abyss, the the end of the abyss. That it, yeah, <laughs> that was still like during that. It, it's really fascinating when you. This is a different topic altogether, but fascinating when you watch like those '80s movies and see how much there's like red scare in there. Meaning uh-huh. like you know we're we're still pretty worried about the yeah. Cold War and whatever else. So yeah, there's a lot of that in those '80s movies if you watch them. Yeah. But yeah, that, I, I wanted to talk about that because I thought I think that's <laughs> that was an extended talk. Oh, I think it's interesting. I I, I am fascinated no, with the I, idea of James Cameron that making these movies. A release date. Yeah. Not or release year, I should say, because there's no real date yet. No, yeah, no, actually... no, I said I said December eighteenth. Uh, oh, there there is. Oh yeah. wow. Okay. All right. And I I really think he's gonna he's gonna <laughs> stick with these. I don't think it's. I don't think it's just a presumed, like, yeah, we're going to do it here. I think he's actually, like, this gives him a real deadline that I think he really wants to work with. I mean, it, so we'll I look forward to these movies. That's what I'm saying. And I'm, I'm glad that they're a track for, you know, when they're actually coming out. And uh, just <laughs> we'll be back in uh, <laughs> three years and four years to talk about them. So there you go. <laughs> I can't believe that's going to be that long. Yeah. But all right. <laughs> and presumably our podcast will still be going in 2020. So we'll, yeah, it's going to be like 10 years old. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So that's Avatar talk. Let's um. Avatar, Avatar, Avatar. Yeah, thank you. yeah exactly. <laughs> let's let's move it. Let's move in now to our our uh, our, our our big review, I guess, for uh, Free Fire. Check out the merch. That's not what he ordered. Fuck, really? He ordered M16s, different weapon. I'm not running a fucking pizza delivery service. Keep your shit together. You want the weapons or you don't want the weapons? Here we go. <laughs> oh, now we're cooking. We'd like to leave with our money. Uh-huh. And I'm sure that you boys would like to leave with the weapons. Fuck. Go for the case. What? You're a bird. They're not going to shoot the bird. Ah! Shit, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, you little asshole. Ah! Ah! All right, so that should have been some of the trailer for Free Fire. This is a long gunfight confined to 90 minutes. Charlotte Copley, Brie Larson, Army Hammer, Killian Murphy, and others star in this 70-set action comedy about a gun deal gone wrong. It comes down to an unpredictable set of circumstances that end up leaving everyone on divided lines trying to get out alive. People shoot back and forth, clipping each other occasionally and hurling insults quite often. Who will be the last man or woman set uh, standing? Abe, what, what, what did you think of... Uh, of the the gun craziness of Free Fire, uh, I thought that it was an all right film, uh, nothing to really write home about, and that's kind of the film that I got from the trailer too. And I think it's competently made. I mean, the director of this is Ben Wheatley, and he's working with his partner Amy Jump. I don't, I'm not sure if they're married, but they they've worked on a lot of stuff in the past together, including callback to Field in England, um, uh-huh. which is a very trippy film. 
But uh, in terms of the the movie itself, I like that there was a, a sense of the 70s aesthetic and it's got this nice little uh, sepia tone to it. But it, it kind of doesn't really fire on like a, a cool guy cylinder. Like I, I kept on thinking of like the nice guys when I was looking uh, back at it. And while the nice guys has style to it, uh, as well as the uh, the time period, this one kind of just has the time period, right? And uh, there's a lot of characters that you slowly get to know over the course of the film. But I didn't really like that I didn't know the placement of where they were. Like, I didn't really know the geography of the layout, even though it's a really small, confined space. I disagree. Was, I was so happy with the geography of the layout. <laughs> I, I got a sense of it later as maybe like two-thirds of the movie in, but... Uh, that was that was quite a while, but um, I feel a movie like this. This is these are the kind of movies that Charlton Copley. I love him in. Like yeah. he was also in uh, what was that movie where it was like 3D, like point of view experience, um, like Max Payne. No, it wasn't Max Payne. It was uh, oh Hardcore Henry. Hardcore Henry. Yeah, and I was like, these are the movies that Charlton Copley should be making. These like crazy, like him being an over the top character of just like egomaniac and whatever the case because he is really fun in this movie he's he's one of the standout guys the other standout for me is uh killian murphy um who kind of plays a little bit more of subdued but i am just glad that they were able to use their their real accents they don't have to like wear fake accents because sarto is still doing his south african uh, accent and then killian is doing his uh irish accent he's kind of he's he's expanding because he's going a little more broadly irish in this one than (laughs) normally yeah, but as far as the movie goes, hey, it's cool because it's a simplified plot. They're in a confined space, so you can kind of do a lot of cool things with it. Um, sound design in this movie is really incredible. And uh, on the whole, I think it's fun, but it's really something that you really can wait for. See, I, I mean, we're just talking about movies that, you know, have opened this weekend and did nothing at the box office. I'd fully encourage seeing this in a movie theater because it's fun like this is a movie where an audience should be like having a blast together watching it because they're laughing and being excited about this action that's going down in a fairly unique premise i mean it's yeah i agree with you as far as it's not doing anything new necessarily or you know has a greater meaning but not every movie needs to have a greater meaning some of movies course, just yeah, yeah, be yeah, fun I, I and i get that but yeah. i i feel like if this is a movie i watched when i was when like around the time I saw Snatch or Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels for the first time, this would be like one of my favorite movies. I, I had a blast with this movie. I yes, I wouldn't say it's it's not gonna be a wind up on my top ten, but it's certainly one of the the brighter spots of of this year for me so far. I mean, as far as just a kind of a free form action film, um, that one of one of two starring Brie Larson and the song Run Through the Jungle by CCR. Um, <laughs> so it's but it's uh no, there's I th- I thought this movie was a ton of fun. I think the the cast is great here. You mentioned Copley and. Murphy, I think yeah. uh, Army Hammer is maybe the yeah, highlight definitely. for me. I think he did a great job of being this like the most cavalier of this crew of people um, who's you know somewhat aloof to the things going on around him. Somewhat, he certainly has some of the best lines early on. Uh huh. Um, you mentioned the '70s setting. The 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 thing I like about that is basically the. It seems like it's merely set in the '70s, so cell phones can't complicate the plot. And because the stylish hair and colorful costumes mean you can easily identify which character is which. I think that's like the only reason that they're in the 70s, um, which is a good reason because you can't have cell phones to make all your problems go away. And Those every- are very valid. And I know exactly who everybody is because everyone's wearing the most outlandish costume possible. So it's yeah. there's a lot of fun with that. Um, I, th- I, I As I said, I disagree about the action. I was really happy with how simple the setup is as far as an empty warehouse that looks like a perfect Halo map or Call of Duty map or something with all the like various 
things you could duck duck and cover down and whatnot. I actually liked the action. I just didn't like that I didn't know where some of these people were, like how close they were in proximity to each other. I, oh, I th- that's, that's something I really enjoy, where the proximity thing is such a non-factor because everyone's terrible at shooting in this movie. Yeah! It's such a... And it's, <laughs> it's seemingly they have, like, unlimited bullets. It, they're, they're reloading and stuff. You see them constantly. They but, are, but, but, but like, I didn't know that they, they came so prepared for this shootout. <laughs> but what, well, I mean, they're so on edge, and that's... I like that, you know, I like the initial setup a lot, where it's, it's you know, it's like a good 25 minutes or so of just these... of, of tensions boiling. Where where Killian Murphy wants to get these guns and there's brokers at this deal and it should go easy but then just random circumstances set everybody off and they don't like none of them want to be in the shootout like it, it and that adds a level of thrill because you you as an audience member you want them you want people not to die. you want people to be like can we just stop and talk for a second and then leave which is great that they actually go and try and do that mm-hmm. uh, before things kind of go crazy. Is that uh, they they do take a, a practical approach to it? Charlotte, or not Charlotte Copley, uh, Killian Murphy's character like goes over to his his henchman and says like, "Did you do this?" And I'm gonna like beat the crap out of you. And then like, "All right, well you know we're settling it. How about we just take our stuff and go?" Mm-hmm. And and then things kind of get crazy. But I'm I'm glad that they took that step, which kind of shows that hey, these people are thinking. The writers and director are thinking about uh, how to make this as you know grounded as possible even though it's it's very you know off the wall kind of thing. yeah and it's i mean it's people exacerbating things that make it so like okay oh, well gosh, now we're yeah. now now we're in a now we're in a kerfluffle here we got <laughs> and but i like and i like that everyone's like they're ducking and hiding behind things people are they're the i think the dialogue's really funny and like engaged like it's fun and it's you're hearing these people kind of hurl insults at each other or talk to each other from across the way and so that's that's why I got a I got a great sense of where everybody was because of the just the nature of how the people were talking to each other and because I think Wheatley's doing some very solid work as far as you know, his cinematographer and editor or what have you of showing you people positioned on certain sides of just the screen itself where I, I think it's very uncluttered as far as I, I, was, I was trying to pay attention to that because I agree I can agree to a point that initially yeah you want to you're you're very much trying to work out in your mind where everyone is in while also paying attention to people getting shot people getting you know people what what's who's saying what to who and whatnot like there's a lot happening which is frantic which is how it's it's you know it's a big shootout so it should be frantic but i yeah. so I, I can see where you're coming from to a point i and i i i, I just i was really happy with this the layout of this thing and how it was going and again the fact that everyone's they're either a piss poor shot or they're just so like the the adrenaline and the you know the hyper realism and the being just being scared in general makes it so hard for them to accurately shoot people and it's a testament to how tough your body is because it's not just (laughs) you know people aren't just landing headshots or body shots and everyone dies people are getting clipped in the arms and the legs or what have you yeah it's which i think is like a a great way to extend the movie because it could be like it could easily be over in you know a few minutes because army hammer is clearly like this former military guy or whatever because he's a really good shot mm-hmm. and he's very calm under pressure but um yeah so he I, also I smokes a lot of weed in the movie <laughs> that's part of it too. <laughs> another uh, archer joke just recently in, in episode three you should watch that but um yeah I, I think that there's a lot of cool stuff that they do to extend the movie out and i wasn't i wasn't bothered by the extension i actually enjoyed that yeah people were getting clipped and uh there's like some people were shooting each other on the same side and there's there's funny reaction shots and there's even one part where they're like you know, did we shoot Brie Larson yeah. or did they shoot Brie Larson? <laughs> like, I'm not sure who did it, but 
there's there's funny things that happen. I like the dialogue of the of the thing, and I actually like that they didn't really employ the use of music all that much in the movie. Yeah, either. it's very. There's almost no score for a good chunk yeah. of the movie. So when it finally kicks in, there's you know there's reasons, but there's well there's reasons why certain songs play because there are like some diegetic soundtrack choices, but there's also just the score has a a way of kicking in at certain times that I found was yeah. really clever. Yeah, and there's some there's some cool little like fun surprises I want to say yeah. that come up. And and that's that that was fun because um, that's something that you don't really expect. But at the same time, it, it's just uh, it's it's fun to see this kind of movie where uh, you know what it is. There's no there's no like deeper meaning to it. And I had a I had fun watching it too. It's just uh, I I don't think I had as much fun as you did. But um, certainly it is something that I I love all these character actors. I, there's even one character that it, he's in a John, he's in John Carney movies. He's the older brother in uh, Oh yeah, Jack Rayner, yeah. Yeah, Jack Rayner, yeah. And I was like, oh, he's also Irish. So there's a lot of like Irish folk in this movie, uh, which is great because uh, I, I appreciated that everybody was kind of uh, playing up their roles because this like Killian Murphy and his group are from like uh, the North Ireland uh, factionist sect, yeah. Um, and they, they're trying to like buy these guns from these Americans. Uh, and Charlotte Copley is just like again. Charlotte Copley is just—he's ridiculous. I love that they—they they set him up very quickly in the in the beginning of like, hey, he's this—he thought that he was a gifted child, but he's actually just really dumb and egotistical now. <laughs> um, and again, he, he plays it off. I I I agree with you that the costume design—it's uh, cool that it takes place in the '70s because then you can kind of just say, oh, that's the guy with like the huge like purple purple lapels on his jacket or whatever the case. Yeah. Uh, it's especially helped out when there's this character named Martin. And that guy, that was a great sequence oh, yeah. of him just going like crazy, and uh, I, there's a lot of laughs. And uh, unfortunately, the theater that I, I watched it with, there weren't as many people in it, so I think it would have been fun with a lot of people. And you know, again, like we said, it ended up in like what 17th, 18th place, 17th place, yeah, maybe. 17th place. Yeah. So I don't think everyone's really gonna go rush out to go see it, but I would recommend watching this in a group because I think that there's a lot of laughs to be had, um, given that uh, given given the nature of it, how serious it is of like, Hey, this is like a shootout to the death kind of thing. Uh, well, that, but that's, hey. that's why I think, I mean, when people actually die in the movie, spoilers, some people actually die in the movie. Um, it, it, because of how drawn out some of the shootings are in terms of like getting clipped in the arm or leg, as opposed to some, you know, easy kill shot. Hey, that's a movie directed by Ben Wheatley. Um, the, um, <laughs> when people actually die, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. There are stakes here. Like there are, and they, and there are people that just don't, they don't want to be involved in this. And I love that so much. Also, everyone's exhausted in this movie. There are people, yeah. you know, it's not John Woo and I love John Woo movies, but it's not like, you know, it's not like Chow Yun-Fat can do like, like it's not, like, it's not like Chow Yun-Fat like stops in the middle of something to be like, I need to take my, take a breath and get some water or something. All these guys in this movie, they get tired and they don't want to yeah. walk around. They can barely walk they can barely stand they have to like crawl everywhere which, which i think is a huge credit to the actors here because mm -hmm. at a certain point killian murphy is just crawling and i was like man killian murphy if he read the script and was like you know I i'm a little bit better than this but it's like nope he gave it his all because yeah like what you said these people take body damage and so they they have to uh carry on the way that they have been affected right mm -hmm. so it's, it's actually pretty amazing to see these people kind of like crawling around there's actually one part where I, I literally was like, oh, God, uh, I, I groaned out loud because somebody gets stuck with something. And I was like, oh, that's just that's not good at all. That guy's got to go get tested for a lot of stuff now. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I like how everyone starts out again. 
it's almost like a video game. Everyone starts at a hundred percent full full bar of health, and then you slowly get picked off. Uh, and as you do, you know, yeah, you're crawling around, you're kind of limping around. Um, there's even like this great. Uh, there's actually two great uh, crawl away sequences. One involving Brie Larson, and one involving uh, the character I forget his name, um, but one of the Irish folks, Frank, I think. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, Michael Smiley. And so, is the actor, so, yeah, Michael Smiley, and and it's it's pretty it's pretty uh, cool. Just I appreciated that these actors gave it their all, even though they've all gone on to go do better things now. Um, this is this was like made in 2016, so I'm gonna guess that it was shot in 2015, and this is. Was that the year that Brie Larson won an Emmy? Yeah, or, so when she, I'm sorry, so when she won the Oscar. And actually, uh, Olivia Wilde was apparently supposed to be the character before she had like a schedule. Oh, really? There, so Brie Larson huh. came in. Who's actually, either way, that character I think is probably the most underused of the bunch. Uh, yeah. Which is, you know, it's a bit of a shame just because it's like, well, it'd be nice to have everyone on the same level here. But, you know, it's, it, is yeah. what, it is what it is. And it's not like I need deep character study here. It's what of it is. Of course not. But yeah. I, I do like that these actors signed up for this. And I was writing about this in my written review for the film. But, like... It's not like this is a movie where everyone, you know, they need the paycheck. It's not a, you know, it's not like you're getting paid oh. much for a small movie like this. So clearly they saw something in the script that they thought most likely, and I'm just guessing, but it looks fun and it's neat for me as an actor to try to tap into what this character is in the span of time that you're given in a film that just throws you right in with these people. And I, so that's where I fell in it too. I was like, you know what? These actors probably thought, hey, this is a fun movie to do, and that's why they did it. So that's why uh, I was glad that they that they were able to. You know, um, take a break from their serious stuff. Like, you know, Kelly Murphy, he does he does really serious things on uh, uh, what's the Netflix show that he's on, um, Peaky Blinders. Mm-hmm. So that's a serious role, and he's a serious actor. I mean, he's like classically trained in all this stuff too. But uh, to, you know, to do something like kind of slapstick like this, I I I, I think that's great. Same yeah. thing with Charlton Copley. You know, I think that he's kind of finding his groove of where he fits. His movie, the movies that he's in aren't bad. You know, when he's in, um, he was in District Nine. That's where everybody saw him. But he was also in, what's the one with Matt Damon? Um, uh, Elysium. All the all Elysium. The, all the bomb camp. Yeah, where good. where he's kind of these character actors, and they're fine. But uh, this is where he really shines. I think that he's like a very funny comedic actor, and he could definitely get more roles in those action comedies. He's almost like a Jason Statham minus like the karate and and you know. Uh, he's he's fun in the A Team. Like he he knows. I've never seen that. I like. I mean, that's um, what, <laughs> is that, it? That, what's his name? That's um, uh, from uh, the Gray and um, uh, Liam Neeson. No, that well, he's in it too. No, the direct Joe Carnahan. Joe Car- oh, Joe Carnahan. Joe Carnahan. Yeah, he's like he's. He, um, he delivers for me. I, I'm a fan of everything he does. Like as far as you know, he goes all over the place with tone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, Charles Tocco. Yeah, I agree with you. What I'm saying is, I, I do think you could, if you tap into the energy that he has, he can really bring it to these kind of roles specifically. Absolutely. Um, but, and I fully expect this movie to be like a, become a cult favorite. Like it seems so structured as one. Well, I mean, you mentioned Lost, Like and Two Smoking Barrels mm-hmm. and Snatch uh, earlier on. I think those movies are are more stylistically intriguing. Uh, so agree. there's a lot more for people to say like, oh, that was really cool. And then uh, I can't believe that they, they that the guy Richie cuts away like that. So uh, I think that those are a little bit more on the fast track. To call, they are cult status now. But this one, it depends because, again, I don't know who's actually seeing it. And if they do see it, if it's going to be spreading word of mouth like that. So Well, that's how cult movies are movies that you know nobody saw to begin with. <laughs> that's that's yeah. part of the joy of them. I mean something like Reservoir Dogs, which is obviously a better movie – to a degree but that's you know that's it's very similar as far as it's mainly one location with a bunch of bad people threatening to shoot at each other this movie just kind of delivers on that now well i certainly that that 
Reservoir Dogs has a better script, you know, there's, there's better dialogue, but I see what you're saying. I, I think there's an audience that will discover this movie over time and enjoy it just because of how easy it is to kind of pick up and go with it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but with all that said, um, I think we're both in agreement that we should, people should see this movie. I think I'm obviously, think so. I'm obviously stronger on it as far as if you want more movies like this or just movies that are fun or something you can go to the theater and enjoy with a bunch of people that aren't related to giant franchise or what have you yeah. go and actually see them and then you get exactly. more of those things yeah you know aside for <laughs> aside from what aaron and i think about like, the movie whatever else in general if you are saying like oh i'm so tired of these fast and furious movies these giant black version movies you know the best way to do it is to put your money where studios can actually see it right so if you feel like oh i want to support these smaller movies and i hope that these smaller movies get more production and are released in theaters like i was surprised by this being released in theaters this is a24 that released this um but again my theater size there were like 10 people in my theater and this is playing at a pretty large complex so uh i want to see more movies like this too and i, I like when people are uh, confident enough to release this but they're not going to release this if people don't go see it so 17th place isn't great and i'm sure that this movie costs like yeah, maybe it's, like it's not yeah, 10 million dollars less than that yeah it did not cost less than that yeah. yeah but still it's just you know you you kind of make a vote with your money and as as crass or as as superficial as that sounds that's kind of just the way that studios look at it right mm-hmm. so unfortunately that's the way that it is and instead of seeing this at an art house theater or whatever else and you want to see it in in a mainstream theater that's how you get movies like this uh, released in mainstream theaters. And that's, so. that's the thing. Like, this movie was in a lot of, like, you know, it was in, like, a thousand theaters this weekend. Like, it wasn't just in the art house theaters. It was yeah. it was in some of them, for sure, but it was in, like... Oh, yeah, I saw this at an AMC. Yeah, this I is, saw this, this at a like... Big Regal. Like, you know, it's... Yeah. yeah like, and I... Granted, I saw it midday, so there was only, like, seven people in the audience, but I... I mean, I can't, right. I can't imagine the evening shows were that's much more like crowded. Size. Yeah. yeah. But, um... Yeah, I mean, studios like this, like A24, who also did, like, Ex Machina, um, and, yeah, you know, they've, done, they've the released Lobster. a lot of good things. They've released, yeah. Uh, yeah, A24 is one of They're my, one of my, my favorite, favorite studi- independent studios yeah, right them now. them and Annapurna are, like, Annapurna. the two ones that I'm like, oh, man, yeah. I can't wait for this, th- what they're going to be distributing. Yeah, we're going to, we got, we got to talk about the Detroit trailer at some point, too. Oh, yeah, uh, we do. But, um, yeah. no, I think there's, they're doing this job of taking these, you know, moderately budgeted movies and putting the, trying to put them out there. And I'll, I'll link to this in the show notes, but Scott Mendelson, friend of the show, he wrote a very good article about what we're talking about right now about people awesome. putting the move, putting the money in to see these kind of movies. If you want to get more of these kind of movies as in yeah. moderately budgeted fun things that aren't, you know, related to giant franchises or the adult dramas that, you know, came out in the nineties that you just don't see much anymore. Yeah. Uh, like it's, it's just, there's, there's so many opportunities, like something like Miss Sloan, for example, which, you know, did very, you know, which I heard was good. Yeah. There's a lot of people that really like it. I think it's okay. But you know, that's a movie where in the nineties with Tom Cruise and that kind of movie that would have made like a hundred million dollars. This is like right. exactly that kind of movie again. And it, you know, did nothing like, so it's, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you look at where we are now in the history of uh movie releases, like we're in the throes of like April right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is not really a time in which, big movies come out so so to see uh, a fast and furious movie come out this time period and still get like almost uh over half a million dollars or, or half a million. it'll be at a billion by the end of this week yeah it's gonna be out of but when it was released it got over half a trillion or half a, half a billion worldwide mm-hmm. already in one weekend and that's where studios are like well let's just release a whole bunch of other stuff that can get us a whole bunch of money and uh we'll push all these guys out to like either vod or we'll push them out to like uh like even January now at least has one or two good movies that you and I have have yeah. been watching, so it's it's really tough for these movies to come out. Now, again, I was I was surprised that A twenty four distributed this, and I was surprised that it came out in theaters because you don't usually see this. I love seeing movies like this 
that come out in large theaters. But uh, uh, I'm kind of just surprised that that they would take this chance, and I'm glad that they did. But uh, I, I do, you know, I, I can I can understand from a studio's perspective of I'm not going to release this um, when Fast Nine is already being uh, still number one with like 38 million this weekend or something like that. Yep. But yeah, it's 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 a tough market, and so Free Fire support it. You know, we talked about this kind of last year in December when yeah. we were talking about you know Jackie, La La Land, and also Moonlight. Um, it's like yeah, when people take chances and they they kind of release these movies, you know, you're, you'd be surprised sometimes. You know, there's there's a lot of good small movies. We we did like a hodgepodge episode just a couple weeks ago yeah. too. We, we were talking about some smaller films like Your Name came out. It's like if you want to see more Japanese anime on the screen in in America, support it. You know, there's there's no real reason not to. And uh, aside from that, it's like it's not like they're going to be releasing like the throwaway movies from Japan here in America. You know, these people kind of really have a chance to uh, continue gaining momentum. That movie already made 300 million worldwide before it came to the U.S. So it's not as though it's a, it's a bad movie. But um, yeah, man, just go out there and support movies that you want to see uh, more of, even if it's the Fast Nine stuff. There's nothing against. Universal and Paramount and all those other large studios. It's just uh, if you like movies, you like movies. But you know, if you want right. to see more of you know something that's not the same as the same thing you saw again, exactly. Then, you know, try to see that. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, we we talked about uh, you liked it more than I did, but when we were talking about um, what's uh, a cure for wellness? Yeah. You know. Yeah, that was that's a big that was bold move on Fox's part. Yeah, I mean they right. made a, they made a big hundred was, million yeah. dollar art house horror movie essentially, and you know that it, was, yeah, that, that was like Gore Verbinski kind of just doing his thing that he always does, like making a good movie, making it look really good. Um, I didn't like it as much as Aaron did, but hey, it was something that was like, let's put this out there, and it didn't cost that much. So like it cost a lot. <laughs> like it did. Million, sixty million. It cost a good. I mean, given the kind of movie it is, it costs more than those movies you generally do. Which, okay. but it, it also, you know, it looked like it cost that much money also. Right. So. But the be- the downside of that is nobody wanted to go see it, yeah. and it kind of got mixed reviews. So yeah. that's where it's like, you know, yeah, there's a downside I, to all I'm these not kinds sure of things. Yeah. going to do that anymore, or Universal's going to do that anymore. So, well, uh, well let's move on. Anyway. That's that's enough preaching yeah. about people should that go was, see movies. That was, yeah, that <laughs> kind of went on a tangent of us getting on soapboxes. Yeah, we so. gotta we gotta move through some stuff quick here. Um, let's do it. But let's uh, so that's Free Fire, which is in theaters now. Um, let's uh, let's talk about the Newport Beach Film Festival. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, you've been there for like the past three days. Yeah, it started on Thursday, uh, the twentieth, and it's going till this coming Thursday, the twenty seventh, which uh, date stamps okay. this release. Um, I, I've seen several films so far. And I plan oh. to see more, and I'll tell you about them. So the the opening night film I saw was called "Take Every Wave: The Life of Laird Hamilton." Um, this is a Hamilton, the uh, the surfer. Yes, the big wave surfer. Um, it is a documentary about the the, the life of Laird Hamilton. Who um, you've may have seen him in various things. He was he was um, Kevin Costner's stunt double in Waterworld. <laughs> um, I didn't know that. But he's also <laughs> he's also featured in other surfing documentaries, including Riding Giants. And this is it's. It's largely it's all about Laird uh, specifically, mm-hmm. um, and you know his kind of upbringing and what have you. But it it goes into his his kind of work with big wave surfing, where he really kind of um, he he took some innovative approaches to how to surf these big waves, which which involves like toe surfing, which is you have like a jet ski and you hold onto like a rope attached to oh, it, and, gotcha. and pull you into these giant waves that are otherwise unreachable. Um, right. And you know, so if you're interested in like the surf culture and surf history, that's good right there. But what's really cool is just the footage they get in this movie. There, there are some ter- like given either helicopter shots from helicopters or just, or even uh, I'd imagine um, drones. Uh, there's some great footage of 
of Laird and others just like surfing these giant like huge waves or what have you and you get a lot of like um historical fo- archival footage and home movies of like past surfing stuff too like it's just a as far as seeing like you know cut, you know seeing nature on a big screen like that in this kind of way seeing waves crashing as people dare to sh- surf out with them that's i found that to be really well done and uh movie as a whole it's neat to learn about this character and he seems like a you know an affable guy and what have you he has his own yeah. issues he has issues and what have you because it's a bio it's a biopic so you know documentary in this case but so you know what person doesn't but it uh how long is the how long is the uh, the doc it's, it's two hours it's a little long that's uh, long yeah, yeah i wasn't expect- i thought you know i figured it'd be like 80 minutes or something like that but it's like no this is actually a pretty uh pretty long movie but right it's worth it for the footage especially this last shot which i'm not going to go into but it's sure it is an extended shot that just tracks it, it tracks a, 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 a surfing move that I just found to be just wonderful. And I think it helped that not only is it a great shot shot, but it's, you know, having, mm-hmm. having just watched, you know, the life of this person for the past two hours, it's like, it really mean it kind of means something to you at the end. So that's a, that's another topic that we can get into at a later time, which is um, uh, just the way that things are shot. Now you mentioned drones, but also people have GoPros and it seems like there's a lot of ways to get really cool shots nowadays on the cheap so yeah yeah but i'm, I'm excited because i like surfing docs you mentioned um riding giants uh, riding giants and i remember watching that and i was like this is amazing i always love watching how people get you know uh views within the waves so mm-hmm. yeah uh so is it worth checking out i'd say yeah i'd say if if it comes to like netflix at some point which i i believe it got picked up for distribution i think they announced that right before it started i, I believe that you know that's probably going to be the way to see you know on a streaming surface of some kind i'd say yeah spend the spend the time watching it it's an easy movie to kind of get into as far as just hearing a simple story and getting some great footage about it so um sure. i'll mention um so we're going a little longer than i expected so no I, i'm gonna mention one movie specifically that i saw last sure night. um it's called the hero um this is this is starring sam elliott um the cowboy okay. the cowboy himself yeah. um it it actually it's going to be distributed in june it's been touring it was at sundance it's been a it's, it was at um south by and um yeah it's it's coming to theaters this june it is about sam elliott as a he's a he's a former western icon like he used these he used to be in like a lot of westerns and he had this one great role called in a movie called the hero which is the title Uh of the film and now he's kind of just you know he's 70 years old he's just kind of living in hollywood trying to get work where he can and he has certain developments come up um some are good some are bad some are based off the fact that he's 70 years old some are based off of new people he meets uh, laura prepon is in this film uh, donna from that 70s show and she's on orange right. and black um uh, what's his name nick offerman um play they he and he and sam elliott's character they they used to be co-stars on a thing a long time ago and now they smoke weed together um, <laughs> and nick nick, nick nick offerman's a delight but the joy is seeing sam elliott who you know is you know mainly a character actor he pops up in supporting roles he has that great mustache and that great Oh, that, that beautiful! I was that, gonna ask you if he has a mustache. In this oh yeah, movie. he's rocking that mustache, and he has that. Yeah, he has that a beautiful mustache. And he has that great voice that just you just can. It's very you know that soothing deep voice that he has. He's um, the voice in the in uh, uh who who comforts the dude who tells yes, the dude's yes, story. Yes, he's the stranger yeah. in the Big Lebowski. Um, he getting I I love these kind of when you see like these smaller movies that are touring festivals. It's generally a chance to see certain character actors become the lead character for a change. And you get so much greatness out of seeing Sam Elliott just work all kinds of emotions throughout this film. I mean, you just seeing the way his mustache ticks because of his facial expressions, it gives you so much that he doesn't have to say. And there's a lot of that in this movie. It's a, it's a very, it's a big, the movie itself is, you know, it's a, it, it looks at, 
it examines mortality and like one's life and having lived a life and having a measure of success and how that's affected him. And I, I thought it's a, re it's a really effective study of that. It's a great, it's a great looking film. It's shot in LA. Um, mm -hmm. There's some great imagery because you see him, you see he has dreams often about making this kind of final role to, to kind of recapture some glory that he used to have and whatnot. There's, there's just, a, there's a lot of great filming here and having Sam Elliott at the center of this film. It's, it's, it's a real, it's a real treat to watch. Um, to see, you know, is uh, is that one getting picked up for distribution? Yeah, as I said, it, it it it's coming out it's coming out in June in limited release in art like so it'll be okay. in, it'll be in art house theaters. But I'll, and I'll certainly recommend or you know uh, mention it when by the time it actually starts hitting theaters. But I, I really yeah. enjoyed that one. I thought it's a okay really strong one. Were there were, did you watch any shorts at the Newport Beach Film Festival that you want to chat about? Yes, good question, Abe. I have watched some shorts. I'm just curious because because Anna runs the shorts program, right? She is one of the programmers of the shorts program, and yeah. in addition to her many other duties, she's currently you know doing there. Um, and yeah, Dude. I I, I <laughs> I've seen one of her shorts programs so far and i've seen one of her shorts programs so far and i've seen another one and she has a couple more that she's going to be doing as well um but so i'll but i'll mention those because uh yeah okay uh, the the first set of short films i saw was a series of horror shorts called a nightmare oh yeah the, the um it was it was titled a nightmare on short street to encompass all of these shorts and, clever and it's you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go too far into each one of them, but suffice it to sure. say, what I like about seeing a series of horror shorts is that, as, you know, short films, it, it's it's neat to, it's neat to consider how they have to establish so much in a certain amount of time because you can't go to like deep character studies or whatnot unless it's you know it's all about one character. You know, there's ways to approach this kind of medium, and so if a horror film in a short, you're only really going for base emotions, right? You don't really have to you know go too far as far as getting someone to be amped up for for the drama or what have you well, i could argue that for for all horror yes films. Yeah, for all horror films true and you can even argue that for all genres of of short films like you only have to go for so many things to get someone worked up about something but i, right. I like these horror you know i'm a big horror fan in general and so it's basically seeing a lot of directors either putting their calling card out there or just showing what kind of technique they have as a as a filmmaker early in their career or even later if they you know just keep pursuing this route and so there were there were a few that that were very effective. One one in particular I highlighted was the first one that was in it um, called Cookie, spelled with a K, about this little girl who gets really scared by a evil looking cookie jar that her mother brings home. And that sounds it's, really original. It's, it's quite creepy, and it, it's very <laughs> effective. Um, and all of them have some effective you know mood and what have you that really. You know, they some of them are funnier than others. Some of them were just going for straight up horror, and I liked it. It was it was an enjoyable series of shorts. Um, okay. The other uh, short session, this is the one that uh, one of the ones Anna programmed, um, is is called uh, "Short Luck of the Irish." Um, it's a set of um, it's a set of short films all made by Irish filmmakers, uh, and uh, this was a a good set of films. Also, it starts out with this one that's really strong called "Gridlock." Um, about a man who's stuck in traffic. He has a daughter in the backseat, and suddenly she disappears. And so it's about him kind of going up and down this row of cars, trying to find out what happened to his daughter. Uh, which this is, is a horror movie? No, these are all just straight up drama. Oh, they're like they're like okay. they're all. I was like, this sounds like a thriller. Well, that one's a thriller. They're all basically dramas, or that's the only one that's like a real thriller. I would say the rest are just like straight dramas. Um, okay. Uh, there, uh, there was there there was another one called a uh, uh, day off uh, about a woman who she has a day off for some reason and you learn why and it's somewhat hmm. it's somewhat heartbreaking but it's also there's some poignancy there um, another one concerns a, a a woman coming back from london to visit her, her her parents and there's and there are sheep farmers and there's some drama involving that that takes place um, there's just in general they're just all they're all really uh, the of the there's, there's like six of them. There's one that I wasn't too big on, but like, yeah, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a series of really good short films. And so, what ba basically, okay. suffice to say, 
uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot to gain from watching short films and seeing these programs, uh, seeing the you know the the work that goes into them, and seeing the uh, the the amount of time matched with you know solid filmmaking and acting from you know up up and coming actors or people that yeah. just only like to operate in these kind of capacity. It's, there's there's a, a lot. technical question. Yeah, is there a minimum that you have to have for a short film? And maximum is like. 30 minutes, right? Max was 30 minutes. I don't know what the minimum would be, actually. I, 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 okay. I, I'm just curious. I'm curious, but yeah. It's, uh, yeah. But yeah. So well, what can we expect from uh, this coming week of Newport Beach Film Festival? Like, What are you looking forward to? Uh, you know, there's the the, uh, the closing night film is called The the Exception, which, uh, which I'll uh, look that one up. It stars uh, Christopher Plummer and I believe Jai Courtney is in it also. What? Um, so, um, <laughs> it, it's, a world, it's a World War II story. I'm aware of that. Okay. Um, there are some other ones I I I don't I don't quite know all the ones that are coming out as far as what I'm planning to see. I know one one of Anna's next programs is Animation Fascination, which is a series of animated short films, which are always entertaining to watch. So, yeah. uh, one of them is actually Blind Viasha, which was up for the Oscar this past year, uh, which was really good. But yeah, I expect all of them to be you know, fairly worthwhile. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, if <laughs> I mean by the time this recording comes out, it'll be only like two days left for the film festival. But if you are in the SoCal area, there is you know certainly things to check out and there's you know you can go online newportbeachfilmfest.com to look into you know what you missed essentially and look forward to whatever comes next year yeah, yeah. okay all right so yeah that was uh some newport beach film festival talk sounds exciting i mean it sounds like you're you're having a blast over there it is exciting it's tiring and because this is like your fifth time or sixth time yeah it's been uh, it's been a number of years there. i've been doing this and i, I try yeah. to you know i cover the films that i can you know if i can they don't even check for your past anymore they're just like yeah let them through <laughs> well yeah I, I i get there and you know i'm getting off you know, get enough after work. I go and see the many movies I can, what have you. But yeah, it's uh, it's worthwhile as far as I I generally seem to go luck out in picking some solid films to watch. So awesome. All right. Glad to hear it. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's move on to uh, let's move on to let's start wrapping things up here. Let's get to Out Now Presents Without Now. Uh, these are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. And uh, first up is La La Land. Yeah, I see it. It's fun. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um. Next up, Underworld colon Blood Wars. I I haven't seen it, but I you know I I appreciate that uh, she gives her all in these movies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, next is the girl with all the gifts. This is a. I've heard that it's interesting. Yeah, this is a zombie movie that came out that I really and I actually have it. I haven't reviewed. I have, to, I have it to review. Okay. I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I'll get back to you on that because I am curious what if it's good or not. <laughs> yeah, but I've heard I've heard good things about it. Yeah, me too. Uh, next up is Detour. This is a movie from director Christopher Smith, who made this movie called Triangle that I'm a big fan of, and he made a movie called Severance that I'm a big fan of. They're like thrillers and horror thrillers. This one I've seen also. It has Ty Sheridan and Emery Cohen um, from uh, Brooklyn. And... Emery Cohen sounds familiar. And he's like, Bro- he's, from, he's the boyfriend in Brooklyn, and he's in your your favorite performance in The, pa- the, oh, place, beyond the, the place Beyond he's, the Pines. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah. he, play, okay. he plays something more along the lines of that guy again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Effectively? Effectively enough. I wasn't huge on this movie. It's kind of neat what it's doing. It's basically giving you a – like think of the um, – remember the split screen scene in 500 Days of Summer? Yeah. It's it's basically telling a story like that where the, the plot is there's a, there's a thing that happens and Ty Sheridan's character could choose one way or the other and the rest of the movie kind of cuts back and forth between what if he did this thing or what if he did that thing. So it's sliding doors. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, sliding doors yeah. is a good example. Yeah, it's it has <laughs> it, it has it has. Gwyneth Paltrow sliding doors. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Next up on Criterion this week, coming out, uh, Tampopo and Rumblefish uh, for Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola uh, okay. Uh, Matt Dillon in that movie. Um, it's kind of his uh like the sister film to The Outsiders, uh, Rumblefish. Mm, okay. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, Psycho Cop Returns. 
I'm sure Brandon. That sounds like something that we should get the director on for. I, I'm sure. I'm sure Brandon's. I think that's an older one. That's an older like 80s. Oh, okay. I think Brandon's reviewed that for a while, so we can probably find his Blu-ray review over there. Um, and lastly, the Marine Five colon Battleground is now on Blu-ray. Who stars in this one? I'm sure multiple uh, WWE people that Alan is familiar with. Um, yeah, I was like, I don't think John Cena is doing these anymore. No, he only did, he only did the one. He moved on to brighter and better things. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's out. Now, what's out now. Let's move on to extremely cool. These are things that are on Netflix that we can uh, make note of. And uh, first up, Queen of Katwe is now on Netflix. Oh, nice. I championed yeah. this movie hard back in September. I think it's absolutely terrific. It's one of the best Disney sports films to come out in a long time. Very much worth your time. I, I would heartily recommend it now that it's more easy than ever to see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember watching it on a plane, and I gave my review after I came back from uh, Japan. Mm-hmm. And... I, I liked it a lot. I, I actually got a little bit emotional when they were showing you the the actual actors versus the the um, uh, real life people. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, I also noticed Blank Check is now on Netflix. Disney's Blank Check. Yes, '90s kids classic Blank Check. Everyone, I always hoped to find a Blank Check so I could write a million dollars. But now that I'm older, I'm like a million dollars isn't that much. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna need more. And uh, lastly, this movie called Good Kill that's now on Netflix. This was um, remember the movie? Does that sound familiar? Yeah, there was a movie called Eye in the Sky that we both really liked last year. Right. Yeah, this is a yeah. movie that's very similar. It has Ethan Hawke. Um, it is, I believe, an Andrew Nichol film, if I'm not mistaken. Andrew Nichol of Gattaca. Andrew Nichol of, of Gattaca and um, Lord of what War. What is an Andrew Nichol film? film? Yeah. Um, it's about drone warfare, about kind of the the nature of using drones. And mm-hmm. uh, and Ethan Hawke plays a person that's basically questioning his job as a pilot. I'm very interested to see this movie. I've heard a lot of good things about it. It got like a, a small release um, a couple years ago at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But it is, but I do remember that. But it is one that I'm looking forward to watching. So I, I'm glad that's now on Netflix because I can finally watch it. Okay. And I generally like Andrew. Uh, well, Andrew Andrew Nichols hot or cold for me. I generally like Ethan Hawke. And I generally like Ethan Hawke, but uh, every time that he works with Andrew Nichols, it's pretty good. He works yeah, exactly. with him in Gattaca. Gattaca yeah. and Lord of War, actually. So, Lord of War, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, Andrew Nichols, you're right, hot or cold because he had like in time, which was a waste that of was time. That was a hot mess. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, okay, so that's extremely cool. Uh, next week's show. Next week, as I mentioned, is our sixth annual summer gamble. Summer movie gamble. Um, we'll have lots of guests on that for that one, or at least people submitting their their picks. But once again, yeah, if you want to play, you al- can submit yours. Yeah, play along with us. Submit what you think are going to be the top ten highest grossing films of the summer at the domestic box office. And through what's the, what's the day period? Uh, May through September. Yeah, the 1st? beginning of May. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two to the to yep. Labor Day weekend. I don't expect a Labor Day weekend movie to be in the top ten, but if you're feeling that bold, go for it. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, that should that should be a lot of fun to record. And uh, last thing we do, what should people go and see now? What do you plan to see next, Abe? I champion your name. Please go see it. Uh, it's a Japanese full feature-length anime film. And uh, next, uh, I'm not really sure, but uh, I'm sure I'll find something. Um, I would say Colossal or The Lost City of Z. Both of those have expanded to more theaters. They're both really good. And also Free Fire, because I really like that yeah. too. So there's a lot of fun things to see right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, next, I'm actually well. I'll be at the film festival all week, and I'm actually seeing Guardians of the Galaxy too, pretty close too. Also, so. oh <laughs> man, I'm, I'm actually kind of jealous. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll probably be seeing it by the time this podcast comes out. There, there was actually a release of like the uh, the uh, awesome mix volume two, and I was like, I'm not gonna read. I this. didn't either. I, I wanna, I'm exactly. The I want to be page. surprised yeah. in the movie. Complete. Yeah. I completely agree. I did not read the track Boom. list because I'm like, why would I? I don't want to see the soundtrack choices. I want to. Exactly. I want to hear them. Like, that's re- yeah. that's gonna ruin some of the. Uh, like that's what I was surprised about in the first movie. It was like these are this is a really good soundtrack yeah, but i completely look so, forward to hearing said soundtrack so, yeah exactly yeah all right well well that's gonna do it for this week's episode of out now there in a name you can find more of my work and my personal blog the code is zeke.com 
You can find my written reviews there, as well as on Wise You can find all my Newport Beach Film Festival reviews over at wisebly.com. You can also find me on Twitter, at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Follow me on Instagram, Oakley Doakley, and Twitter.com slash Wallersmoose. Hashtag get well soon, Steve Kerr. <laughs> you can uh, find all the other episodes about Now Theron and Abe over on iTunes, as well as on Audioboom. Listen to our old episodes over at HHWLOD, SoundCloud, and Podomatic. Feel free to email us any thoughts you may have had on anything we talked about, including the Avatar sequels or Free Fire or our preaching about seeing movies because they're out there and you should go see them over at OutNowPodcast at gmail.com. Right on our Facebook wall, Facebook.com slash OutNowPodcast, or tweet at us at Twitter.com slash OutNow underscore podcast. And, of course, send us plenty of gifts of people randomly firing into other people in movies over at OutNowPodcast.tumblr.com. That'd be fun to see. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Abe, we did it. We did a solo round. We did it. Yeah, we made the best of this time, and um, that's that's it. Because next week, like just like a clown car full of guests come onto the show to talk about their summer movies. So, that's literally, what's gonna happen? Yeah. So uh, that's that's gonna do it for this week's episode. So until then, until next time, so long and goodbye. with guns taken over by one belong they mesmerize skeletons kiss with guns kiss with guns easy does it Good sesh. Yeah, no. good sesh. <laughs> I don't really know these these uh, industry lingo terms. <laughs> it, it, it was a good round and over, buddy. Yeah, the, the industry terms. <laughs>